Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Well, good evening. Welcome to Masterclass Theology. I'm Big Rev. And I'm Professor D. We have a pleasure tonight. We are in the book of Ephesians. And and Professor D, I got to admit, Galatians that that we just finished the book of Galatians, and that was just like drinking, trying to get a small sip through a fire hose. That was just the theological truth after theological truth, and I've got a feeling that Ephesians is going to start off the exact same way. How about you? Um, not it's not it's more than a feeling. It, it really does, <laughs> and uh, I think he's even uh, dare I say it more theologically heavy-handed in Ephesians. Uh, in Galatians, you had little spurts of a. Uh, little anecdotes that he shared about some experience. There is none of that here. Right. Wow. So we are going to pray then just journey right on forward because this this is a jam-packed opening chapter of Ephesians. God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this journey. I'm so grateful for my friend Mick to journey with me tonight. And and I know a number of you have, have commented to me. They just love the, our conversations on this podcast. And we're so, so thankful for those who are listening and um, we thank God for your word, and we're thankful for how, how you bless us through your word. May you teach us tonight, Lord, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are in Ephesians chapter 1. We begin with a couple of verses of introduction. We are, we are starting a new book of the Bible tonight in terms of our studies, so we'll kind of ask some of our introductory questions. But Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's our opening. So we need our who and our when. What are our basic questions of this of this letter we have in, in Ephesians, Mick? All right, so as far as the who, we're, it's Paul, and he does what he does in, in all his letters. He identifies himself right off the bat as Paul and as an apostle of Christ. Um this is Paul, and we believe that as far as the when, this is Paul in prison, and we believe this could be anywhere from circa A.D. 60 to 62. Um, just because of some of the, the things that, you know, we see in the letters. Um, so that that's, so this is during his, his imprisonment. Uh, it, you know, if you look at uh, the book of Acts, that kind of gives us a bit of a timeline. It would probably be around... Acts 28:30. So this is during his Roman imprisonment, more likely than the one in Caesarea. Um, and this, we also we talked about this earlier that this is where he he also wrote Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. Mm-hmm. And in, in the case of Colossians, there is a person that is mentioned that is mentioned both there and in this letter. So in terms of Paul's story in the Book of Acts, we know that he he got taken before local judges and local rulers and eventually he appealed to Caesar and, yeah. and Jesus told him you're going to take the gospel you're going to preach in Rome essentially so yeah. here he is it was the will of God he was going to go to Rome yeah. so now that he is in Rome and he had this time of, of two years I believe of house arrest mm-hmm. and he got to have friends come and visit him or whatnot he got to have basically you know he was basically free but in a house arrest what a time for him to write yes and these these later books here so so that's a great that's a great introduction. That's who it is and when it's written to. And the city of Ephesus is in Asia Minor. It is has an ancient name of Ephes, and it is 
it's a place you can visit the ruins even today. So you fi you'll find some of the old ruins of the city even there today. All right, so we continue with verses 3 to 6. And I got to warn you, the theology is going to get deep here real quick. So those of you who are listening, well, you, you've been journeying with us in Masterclass Theology. You're not afraid of theology. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let's actually stop there. Okay. What is this blessing about? What's the nature of this blessing? What's he talking about here? Being, uh, being blessed with Christ, spiritual blessings in the heavenly places? Yeah, I think the nature of the blessing is spiritual, and, and the reason for that is be, that be, before any blessing can be physical, it needs to start in the spiritual realm. Um, after all, the physical comes from the spiritual when you consider that God is spirit in the physical world came forth from him. Mm. Uh, this is why I believe that the coming of the Messiah also had two parts. Uh, it was a two-part coming. First, he had to fix, if you will, he had to bless us spiritually before we can experience the physical blessings of our salvation. Mm. Yeah, and, I, and I'm seeing here, there's an element to to their, their life as Christians that is definitely a horizontal Mm -hmm. The horizontal relationships, but I, I love that Paul brings in. This seems like an odd blessing. He can, does he bring in the vertical something here between you on earth and the, what you're going through right now as a Christian in this church in this time period that you are actually blessed with Jesus who is in heaven. I mean, yeah. there's something about a blessing that is not just an earthly blessing, but actually is a heavenly reality. Yeah, I think that would give them hope. Yeah. And it would be something they would want to hear, especially as this book unfolds, where we know at least at some point in this journey, we're going to have the Armor of God chapter. It's going to be talking about some spiritual warfare things. Yeah. It's really good to know at the very beginning that their blessing is a spiritual blessing. In yeah. fact, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There's something about this hope that Paul is going to unfold for them that is anchored in heaven. Yes. And I think I think they needed to hear that. And, and I think it also takes a, a, a good jab at even prosperity theology oh yeah you know who focus too much on physical blessing mm. amen so we'll continue so so be every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places verse four even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love and here comes this word everybody he predestined us for adoption to himself as son, sons through Christ Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he blessed us in the beloved. So my goodness here, what do we know, uh, what do we learn about the work of God in the believer's life? So kind of in verses four to six here. All right, well, we, we learned several things. Number one, um, God chose us before he created anything. Mm. And, and that, that is profound. God created us with a purpose, and that purpose was for us to be holy and blameless. In other words, if he is to be our father, then we as his children need to be like him. Which leads, the other thing is he created us out of love. As a general rule, there, uh, when it comes to creating anything, you create either, either out of necessity or, or just for the love of it. Uh, God has no need. So therefore, God really just created everything out of love. Uh, and he created us out of love. Uh, going back to the point I made earlier, 
you know, being like, like him because he's our father. There is this adoption that he talks about. This is a plan of his to adopt us, but to become his children. And it happens because of Jesus, as we talked about previously in Galatians 2.20, we are joined with Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. And, and the ultimate purpose of everything God does for creation, our salvation, and everything, it's, it's all for his glory. It's all for his pleasure. Everything is for his pleasure ultimately. And in, in, but, but the, the cool thing is that in, even in his glory, we're blessed by it. Mm. And we're blessed because of it. Verse 4 stood out to me, Mick. Mm. Could verse 4 be a verse that existed before Genesis 1-1? I mean, in terms of a chronology. Yes. yes. If, if, so if any of you are out there ever pondering that, what could have existed before Genesis 1-1? You know, in the, in the beginning, God. Mm -hmm. My thought was, well, before God created anything, yeah. if we take Paul's words at face value, the ones who are Christians, you and me, he chose us. Yes. We were chosen before God said, let there be light. Yes. If we take this at face value. Yeah. So before Genesis 1, 1, let, I mean, let there be light, let there be anything else. He chose us before the foundation of the world for a purpose. Yes. And so we're not surprised then that we have this destiny, this destiny of being predestined. Yeah. This idea that before anything before we could possibly earn anything, yeah. God chose us. You know, when I look at the word predestiny, I, I honestly think that a better rendering might actually be predetermination. In other words, God makes this determination pre-anything, before anything. Wow. And, and, and basically, it is his prerogative to make that determination. It's like when you do something, the thing that you do cannot tell you in return, no, you got to do it this way or that way. You know, when you're the creator, you get to be the ultimate arbiter of what you're creating. And I love this. If anyone could ever ask, well, why did God do that? Well, Paul answers here, according to the purpose of his will. Yeah. So if any of you who are praying the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Well, that's his will being yeah. done. That you belong to him. That he chose you before, before Adam and Eve ever existed, before anything else ever existed. He still chose you. That means he knew you. And he chose you. He predestined you. So because he predestined you to be his adopted child. Yeah. And that he was going to bring you in mm -hmm. according to the purpose of his will. And then in verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. Yeah. I love that. Because we can't earn that grace. Can and, and right there, the, the second part of that, in which he has blessed us, in, in depending on the translation, in the beloved or his son. Wow. So we're blessed in this endeavor. And that, yeah, that reminds us, we, his son, we, we, are, we are adopted as sons and daughters, for, for are you, you women listening, uh, through Jesus Christ. Yes. Now that grace has blessed us in Christ, in that beloved, in yeah. his son. Yeah. So we get to be part of this family yes. because of the son. Yes. Who is already part of the family, quote unquote, but we get to be brought in as adopted. And we explored that further back, as Mick mentioned, back in the book of Galatians. And we start right off with that here. So he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That is mind-blowingly amazing. And all because of his grace. Mm -hmm. And so we continue here um, with, let's read 7 to 10. In him, as so we're speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, mm. the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, 
making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. Oh, wow. That, that's just a big chunk there. But what do we learn? What does the richness of his grace, how does that lead? What's that, what's that mean regarding us as believers? What does that mean, the richness well, of his grace? What it means is that it leads to redemption. And, and what that means is that he, he is buying, he's paying for our adoption. Mm. Okay. Uh, and the forgiveness of our sins. Today we would have court costs and we would yeah. have the, you know, pay the judge's yeah. fee or whatnot. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So what what a great plan that, that God has here. So not only is his plan, you were not even an afterthought. Yeah. You, you were the thought. Yeah. I mean, before God ever there made... There is no plan B. Right. So even if you believe in a big bang and that God made a big bang and God made all this, before any of that, before any of the foundations of anything was laid, God chose you. And God chose, I mean, He it, those who are going to belong to him through Christ Jesus... Yeah. So that tell that tells me that um, I I don't think God was shocked when when Eve grabbed the apple or whatever it was off the tree because he's already had this adoption plan already mapped out. He predetermined his will is according to yes. God is the author who wrote a script. Wow, and he he is such a brilliant author that he just needs one draft. I love that. There's no plan B. Yeah. And so we we have redemption. So so the same God who chose us, he predestines us. I mean, he, it tells you, he even planned his own suffering to wow. bring us back into the fold. Wow. So, I mean, if that doesn't tell you that he loves us, I don't know what else will. It praises his grace, which yeah. we don't deserve. Right. Which is given to us. I'm just kind of walking through these yeah. verses here. So we're, 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 he chose us. We're predestined. Because it's a lot of verses. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of theology to oh, take yeah. in. So And then we're adopted according to his will. And he gets to show us his grace. And now we're redeemed through the blood of Jesus. We've been forgiven of our trespasses. Again, according to this grace. Mm-hmm. Which he lavished upon us. And now he's making known a mystery in verse 9. Which he set forth in Christ. The plan for the fullness of time to unite all things. So for some reason, God has this mystery. Yeah. And what about that mystery? So that at that time that God determined, Jesus would come to rule everything. As, as Jesus put it in, in the model prayer, God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. That's not accidental, people. Uh, Philippians 2.10 puts it this way. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow everywhere, heaven, earth, under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father. That's right. God has a master plan, and no one and nothing can stop it. Period. So God has a plan. This is a great mystery. His will is going to unfold mm-hmm. to unite all things in Him to the fullness of time. And... That plan involves even me. Yeah. Even you, Professor yeah. D. God chose you. And God had this great plan even for you, even for me, even yeah. for the, our, our listeners who have professed Christ and you've ever wondered about your life. To understand, God chose you. You're not an afterthought. Right. You were it. And so, wow. Uh, let's just continue 11 to 13 here because Paul just keeps going here with, with some good news. In him, again, uh, in, in, in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined to court. See, that word predestination is no longer a scary word. No. It's a wondrous word. Well, for a believer, <laughs> if you understand this, if you're truly a believer, predestined is your best friend. It's your best friend. 
So we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. My goodness. So back in verse 11 here, what what is this inheritance? In, in this particular context, it, it, it is salvation. Um, whenever it's an unconditional inheritance, it's salvation. Uh, when it's the conditional, because there's another inheritance that gets talked about in the Bible, and sometimes it gets confusing for some people, but if it has conditions, it's not salvation. It has to do with rewards. Uh, an example of that would be 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where it talks about things like that. But in this particular context, the inheritance is the, it's salvation itself. So that sounds like what Peter was talking about in 1 Peter when he talks about this living hope yeah. and that you will one day receive this, this, this coming salvation, the salvation of your souls. Yeah. You're going to receive yes. this full and final thing yeah. that's no longer tainted by fleshly matters and, the, and the, the sin of this world. And there's something about our salvation that is going to lead to an eternal, an eternal life with God. Yes. And, and that, that, that is something we get to inherit because yeah. you inherit if you're part of the family. Exactly. And this is God reminding us in Christ, you're part of the family. That's right. And so the family members get an inheritance. And that's just, that's just great news. My goodness. Uh, what else is, uh, what do we learn? Well, we learn a little bit more about predestination yeah, I mean, here. Predestination, I think, is better understood, as I was mentioning earlier, as God determining things in eternity past. In other words, God makes a determination. He makes a choice in the past, as we saw earlier in verses 4 and 5. It, it is based on God's choosing who will be saved beforehand. And that's all there is. And and there is, if you really think about it, that should give us a sense of security, especially when we know that God is not one to change his mind. And no one can hold anything ever over God. So God, if he chose you to be saved, you're saved. I, I, I like that, Mick. And I, I, I like also in verse 11, speaking of predestination, so you're predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're listening to those words being read and you've ever pondered why in the world did this happen? Why in the world would God who's powerful and who's 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 exalted and who is good, why would this be a part of his plan? Why would the world have to go through this or have to go through that? Why why this really hard season we're in? We have to rest in this verse and say, you know what? We trust in God who's working these things out, this is all according to the promise of the counsel of his will. Yeah. And bad things are part of that will because bad things led to an even better thing, which is yeah. the cross, which is being unified with God and redeemed. Yeah. And God adopting unworthy sinners gave him the most possible glory. Yeah. So that's why some bad things, because otherwise the purpose of him who works all things according to the, there's nothing that exists in the universe that is outside of the counsel of his will. That's right. And, that either makes God a jerk or makes him sovereign. And and we have to rest on that sovereignty. Yeah. Because that sovereignty gives us peace. Why do why do things happen? We trust that God's handling his business. Yeah. And in an ultimate sense we know who wins. Yes. Even though right now it seems like sometimes things are, are, are astray here. Uh, so in verses twelve and thirteen, what is the process by which a person is saved? The process is that by believing the gospel, which is us trusting Jesus to save us, 
we will be saved. In other words, it's not something that we earn. It's, it's a gift that can only be received. Yeah, that hope is only in Christ. So you, you heard the word of truth and you believed in it. And then you were sealed. So it's kind of like you you heard that you heard the gospel or maybe you heard the Bible being read and and then you responded to it by trusting yeah. and by believing. And then the Holy Spirit seals you? What, what, what was that? I mean, is, is, he, is he a part of this too? Yeah, absolutely. It's well, he, all of God. He's the one working in our hearts to begin with, causing yeah. us to believe. Exactly. It's, there's no other way we're going to believe without him. Because remember, no, at no point in this time, I didn't predestine me before, before the creation of the world. I can't wait till we get to chapter 2. <laughs> this is great. I can't wait till we get to chapter 2. is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, period. It is a great one. It's a, it's a top five for me. He's setting it up nicely with yeah. chapter 1. I, yeah. hate to, I mean, I hate to put it that way, but wow. So it's... And this inheritance is in guaranteed, I was going to ask, but it's yeah. the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit. He indwells us the moment that we trust Him for salvation. This verse says that we are sealed, which communicates God's protection and ownership over us. Mm. And to be clear in, in the differences in terms such as the sealing of the, of the Holy Spirit or, uh, and baptism, they're, they're not something that two different events that happen. The Spirit enters a believer, but to communicate when he uses different words, he, he wants to communicate different aspects of what it means that the Holy Spirit is in us. And in this particular case, he wants us to understand we are under his protection. We are under his ownership. And we learned last book in Galatians, the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit's crying in our hearts, yes. Abba, Father. Yeah. He's telling us, hey, you're part of the family. Yes. I realize you haven't gotten the inheritance yet, yeah. but you're going to get it and, and, because but, you're part of the family. Yeah, and I want our listeners to know that, again, this is not a different thing. It all happens at one time. Mm. It's the same thing, just a different word because to highlight a different aspect of what it means for the Spirit to be in our lives. You know, in Galatians, he talked a lot about this Holy Spirit leading us. And then he uses different words. Walk by the Spirit. You know, be led by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Same di difference. Right. I'm totally reading exactly what you said in verse 13. When you heard the, the word of truth mm -hmm. and then believed in him, yeah. that's when you were sealed. Yeah. So it's not like you were waiting for some second kind of nope. Holy Spirit event here. No, no. That's when the Holy Spirit yeah. sealed you, when you believed. Exactly. When you trusted that belief is trust. When you trusted in Jesus alone, I love that you brought that up, Maybe yeah. Some of our listeners might be saying, well, wait a minute. Isn't there some, some kind of second Holy Spirit event that's supposed to come? No. It's right here. When you did this, then you received him. Yeah. And so it's just, it's it's like right then and there, boom, And boom, another boom. thing with the seals, too, is they're permanent. So if you guys remember when, when um, I'll, I'll go through the story of um, of Daniel and Esther, because this is a great example. When the king put a seal on something, he could not, he himself could not overturn it. Mm. He had to follow it himself. When God puts the seal of the Holy Spirit on us, you better believe he's going to, to honor that salvation that he gave us. Amen. So Paul transitions next in verse 15 to prayer, but but knowing Paul, this is not going to be a simple prayer. It's going to be a theologically rich diet of a prayer. Is anything with Paul ever simple? <laughs> no, I, I, you, <laughs> Professor D was joking with old Big Rev here earlier in the, in, in the week here yesterday that, that Paul seems to be the king of the run-on sentence. Oh, yeah. And yeah, he just, these, and I, I remember I, I, I didn't, when I was in seminary, I did, I, we did not translate uh, the book of Ephesians, but I just remember the, the, the sentences where I think we translated Philippians. It's the run-on after run-on. And some of these paragraph-long sentences, my goodness. Okay, verses 15 and 16. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, 
remembering you in my prayers. Wow. So what example does Paul give us, the listeners, regarding prayer? I think the big thing that he tells you, us is, is that, that we are always to give God thanks. Always show gratitude towards him. You know, and, and keep in mind, as he's writing this, he is in prison. Mm. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, he may not be in chains. He, right. It might be like, you know, a nice, pot, more posh version of a house arrest. He's no longer in a Philippian prison. Yeah. But still, he's he doesn't have he's freedom. He's under arrest. I mean, bottom line is, you can't go wherever you want to go. Right. You can't do everything you want to do. And is awaiting his time in court with Caesar. Yeah. So that's coming too. Yeah. All right, that's great. It's just a good reminder for us that um, if, if Paul, who was in the midst of, of what he was in the midst of, mm-hmm. still thanked God for, yeah. for, was able to still thank God, I, I think we can do so as well. All right, so some more theology, 17 and 19. He continues... That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and a, re- a revelation of the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So he used to sing that little praise song, open the eyes of my heart, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? So it looks like Paul's praying for knowledge of God, um, awareness of, of uh, God's power, and 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 I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on yeah. here. Uh, but what what is? So he's praying for wisdom, and he's praying for revelation. So that, so yeah. that with the intent of of them and us by as well to to know God better. And keep in mind, the, the New Testament at this point is still being written, and so as he wrote this letter, um, and he, he mentions revelation. Revelation was still something that was going on. Mm. It doesn't apply to us today as a revelation. Um, we have God's complete revelation. Nowadays, that 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 would translate to if it, if, if it being it for us, we would have to read it as wisdom because wisdom still stays the same. Mm. But illumination, not that revelation, because now we have the completed revelation of God. So nowadays, it's not about having a new revelation from God. Mm. Yeah, I can see that being taken out of context. It is about us understanding God's revelation that has been completed by the, by the, we're 2,000 years late with getting this letter, so to speak. Amen. So in other words, God would open our understanding to whatever that revelation is. Amen, Professor D. I, I, one of the things I, I like to say is there, there is a big difference between opening your Bible yeah. and saying, God, speak to me, and then closing your Bible and saying, God, speak to me. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair to these Ephesian, his original audience in, in Ephesians, there's a lot of the Bible they didn't have yet. Yeah. They, they would have had access to the Old Testament, and there are a number of letters being circulated right now that were going to be in the New Testament. Very few, we, we have to say at this right. point. But there were some. Yeah. And even, even with this letter alone, if this is what they had, and there's some that argue that this Ephesian letter was even a circular letter that it went yeah. to various churches. Yeah. And so uh, I, I know when I was, I, I had the pleasure of going to the ancient city of, of, of Ephesus uh, a number of years ago. I was on a Holy, Holy Land cruise. I have, I have very, uh, very generous in-laws. And, and I was looking for crosses in, 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 in Ephesus. And I yeah. found one building in the main, on the main street that had a cross on it. It was tucked mm-hmm. away. And I thought, well, maybe that was the church he wrote to. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There could have been many. This letter could have gotten passed around a lot. But what I do know is if we say, if you say, well, Big Rev, that whole thing about opening the Bible. Yeah, 
if we expect God to speak to us, we do so with the Bible open and yeah. we read the Bible. So it, it stands to reason that as the Ephesians now read this letter, as they hear this letter being read, that God would use his word and the Holy Spirit would use his word yeah. to now open their eyes of their heart, yeah. to open them up to receive this knowledge, yes. to receive this illumination, this wisdom. But this is not some kind of nefarious kind of, you know, let's go look at some magical crystals and see what they tell us. No, this is you reading God's word or listening to God's word and saying, God, speak to me through your word. Right. Teach me what you want me to know through so something that is concrete, something mm -hmm. that is not... Uh, it's not something that is subjective. It's very objective. Here it is. God, speak to me now through your word. So as the word's being written, I love what you said there. Now be illumined. Now have the knowledge come. Now be aware of what God is yeah. saying to you. But it's not just something random and nebulous, but it's through his word. Correct. And that's I love that anchor that we have there. Yes. And especially he's writing this to a people who don't have a full Bible yet. Yeah. So now we who do have a full Bible. It's like, wow, It's do we have that perspective with God? Mm -hmm. And do we miss anything out of these 17 or 19? Oh, I'm uh, sure we could, we could dig more and more if we really wanted to. So he has hope, and there's the, there's a, so he's talking about a, um, yeah, the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory. So, so he wants us to know the hope that, yeah. that they had been called to. In That's other right. words, salvation. He, he also wants us to know the riches of the inheritance. That is, mm. the blessings that are a part of salvation. What's coming. Yeah. And, and finally, he wants us to, to understand God's great power at work in, in, in salvation. Mm. Um, God has the power to accomplish our salvation. God's good for it. God, God is more than capable. So we're not going to be surprised if spiritual warfare comes up. Mm -hmm. And uh, we remember, if I remember correctly, in the book of Acts, there was this, this power struggle with the Artemis of the Ephesians, where they had these scrolls, and there was kind of this satanic, worshiping, magical mm -hmm. cult, and people were, were, were wanting to buy and sell, you know, there's a, like I think a silver trade, if I remember correctly, I'm going off of memory, but there was some kind of cult right there in Ephesians promising some great power. Yeah. The greatest Artemis of the Ephesians, they would chant out. And so God's telling them right now, no, no, or Jesus, or Paul's telling them, no, no, no. There's another great power. Yeah. There's a greater power. There's something else that you have access to. Yeah. That God is making known to you the immeasurable greatness of this power toward yeah. us who believe. And so don't be tempted by the powers of this world. Right. Because we have this guaranteed as a blessing in the heavenlies. Yeah. I mean, this is this is this is God almost like He's calling his, his shot. Yeah. God is laying out these ground rules, kind of like He did. When he tackled the Egyptian gods in the Exodus story, yeah. he took them out one by one. Each new plague conquered one other god. Yeah. And he's calling out a shot here. And he's, he's, he's letting them know, hey, this world may seem to have power, and, and but God, the, the very God we worship, the one who predestined you before the creation of the world, he's the one we can trust. Mm -hmm. He's the great power. So we bring this home 20 to 23, my goodness. That he so the according to the working of his great might that he worked he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under the feet under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. Wow. So 
how is God's power shown regarding Jesus' resurrection and ascension? Bro, okay. God, God showed his power in the resurrecting Jesus from the dead and then ascending him into heaven where he then seats him at the right hand, mm. meaning that Jesus is the man. He's in charge now. Right. And so you can imagine, let's just go back to the Artemis of the Ephesians, and I believe it was Acts 19. You can just imagine, yeah, there's a lot of powers out there. Yeah. There's a lot of people claiming power. Yeah. But name me one that has resurrected somebody from the dead yeah. and then ascended him in the clouds to heaven. Yeah. And it's like that's God saying, you ain't got that. Right. God has that, and God did that, and that's the argument that Paul brings up. And I'm not just speaking spiritual nonsense, because Paul brings it up in verse 21. Yeah. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named. There's a lot of names out there. Yep. There's a lot of people claiming names and claiming powers and claiming authority. There's a lot of, of, of you know, demon things and cults and all that kind of stuff. It was in Paul's world too. And Paul's saying, hey, yeah. we're worshiping one that is far above any and all of that. Yeah. Any other thoughts here? Uh, what's the next? What is the nature of the rule of Jesus in relation to all else? In well, verse 21 the, and 22. Yeah, the nature is that Jesus' rule is complete. It's over heaven. And earth, the spiritual and the physical. Wow. And for all times. So past, present, and future. Uh, everything. I'm, and, and I mean everything is under Jesus' rule. Uh, this includes the church where Jesus is its head. Wow. And what? why does Paul bring the church into this? What, what's going on there? Well, with Jesus ruling overall and him being the head, Paul Paul sets it up where, where the church is the body subordinate to, to the head, which is Jesus Christ. And obviously, if it's a body, that means that there has to be some sort of union here. Some sort of unity. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the body has to be united. That's amazing. Yeah. This is... He put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. Yeah. That would have had to encourage that little church. Yeah. As they're going through whatever it is they're going through. And here they are. God has laid all these things under the feet of Jesus. Who, by the way, is their head. Yes. Wow. That that just must have been a blessing to them. Especially whatever they were facing. Yeah. In in, in the midst of... And uh, just... just in the midst of whatever they were going through. Yeah. And we don't, we don't all know what they were going through, but... Um, they, they, they existed because we, we know, knew a little bit more in the Galatian church. There was mm -hmm. another group that was trying to lead them astray. Yeah. And we don't, with chapter one here, we don't, we don't know quite yet. But, but yeah, and this is, this is Paul's opening chapter here. Yeah. What are your closing thoughts? How do you land the plane with chapter one, Mick? Well, with chapter one, the, the biggest sense that I get when I reflect on this chapter is that, that God is in control of the story. God, God is in control of the narrative, uh, where, where everything comes together under, under Jesus. If we are saved, predestination should not bother us one bit. Instead, it should give us the, the greatest confidence in, in salvation that we have, and I'm going to stress this because you, know, you can't see me stressing this, in Christ. Mm. And, and, and that's where, where it's at, in Christ, uh, which includes, you know, if you look at this chapter, the, the words in him, in Christ, and the beloved. Everyone is under Christ, but only the saved are in Christ. Wow. That's what I was saying earlier about Philippians 2.10. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But 
when you're so with everybody being declaring that where do you want to be in that declaration do you want to be under christ basically you know you know trampled underfoot or do you want to be in christ and i want to be in christ uh, in this chapter alone that that phrase appears easily nine times and at, at least 22 times in this book as a whole so I mean, obviously, this is important, and, and and he starts off with this very important principle right off the bat, right out of the gate. Mm. Wow, yeah, for me, uh, where where I, where I kind of land the plane with this chapter, I occasionally journey with people who really struggle with their value. They 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 struggle with their purpose in life, and they they wonder if they have any value at all. And I like to walk them through a journey about. What can, can a what determine your value, and what are the things you've accomplished, or what standards you live by, and and where we where we go with that is no a what cannot determine your value. So mm -hmm. what about a who? Can a who determine your value? And so okay, can other people determine your value? No. Do, can you determine your value? No. Well, who's left? God. Does God determine your value? Yes. He's the only one that is in, is, is is qualified to speak to your intrinsic worth. And one of the places we go is this chapter right here. Yeah. Because God values you so much, Christian, that he literally chose you before he created the atoms. Mm -hmm. Before he created Adam, he chose you. Before he made anything, before Genesis 1-1, Bef he chose before you. Before he said. Right. Before he spoke. And that you are so valuable to God and your value is tied up, not in other people, not mm -hmm. in what you've accomplished or haven't accomplished. It's not tied up in how, how much depressed you are or anything like that. No, no, no. You are valued by almighty God who predest who chose you. You don't feel like you're chosen by anybody half the time, but God chose you. Yeah. You're not chosen because of something. Right. But, you're cho but you are chosen for something. And God values you. You may not feel like much to write home about, but just know that God chose you. You are on purpose. You have value to God. The only one who can proclaim your value does proclaim your value. This has been Masterclass Theology from Ephesians chapter 1. As always, I'm Big Rev. And I'm Professor D. Have a good night and God bless. Amen. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.